Sometimes somebody who's been with you forever isn't the right answer for your business and you've outgrown them, but then out of obligation, you keep them even though you've outgrown them and it's hard. And we've had people over the years that have been like, oh, I got all these great ideas and you're doing this wrong and you're doing this wrong and you're doing this wrong. And we outgrew them because they couldn't see why we had to do certain things the way that we did. And sometimes those people start new businesses, right? The amount of people who come back to me afterwards and are like, holy shit, it's hard. It's hard. You got to spin a lot of plates and you're wearing a lot of hats. This is To The Point. A Rhino experience. Voted one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts. Cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point. Hey, what's up to The Point listeners? It's your boy, Chris. This is going to be a special edition of episode today. This is going to be a Valentine's edition. 18 years of marriage. I think I got that right this year. 18 years this year of marriage with uh, the woman right across from me in the studio today, who's my guest. 16 of those building a business together and raising kids. And uh, man, I bet she feels so blessed. We have Anna Yano, the COO of Rhino and co-founder of Rhino Strategic Solutions. And I thought, what better then a Valentine's, we've never done this, a Valentine's edition with my better half. So, hey, are you excited to be on? This is your technically your second or third. You did, you did one with Charlene Irona too, where you're yeah, my co-host. But it's been, it's been probably two years. Yeah. Well, welcome. Yeah, I like to hide in the dungeons around here. I know. Um, if you're watching uh, online or on video, you'll notice that I'm wearing headphones and Anna's not because she did not want to mess up her her. <laughs> uh, and I've got to add on. So uh, maybe I'll take these things off shortly. Um, but this is a Valentine's edition. But it's, what's cool about this too is, you know, um, I've been pushing Anna to, to be more out front. She likes to be back a house, pushing her more to be more out front. She went and spoke at Home Service Freedom on the panel with uh, um, some other amazing uh, women leaders and always does a great job. And I'm like, okay, the next step is you got to go and do like your own like keynote or breakout or something because uh, those who know really understand that the success of, of Rhino really falls on Anna. She is the backbone of the business. I mean, Anna went to uh, to ASU for any Sun Devil fan out there, or Sun Devil alum, uh, and, and was focused on marketing, business, finance. Did I get those three right? You did. Those three right. But what I love about this too, and not just because she's my wife and, I'm, and I don't have to say these things, but she is um, an exceptional leader, an amazing manager of people and uh, incredibly sharp. You know? And, uh, and you, give, you, you come from a family of really intelligent people. So like you make me look good and I appreciate that all these years. But what's been great is you guys have heard me talk in my different presentations or even on the podcast. What made the business work so well was that our strengths complemented one another. Um, and I'm in the sales and marketing role. And I mean, arguably to me, that's the easiest part to others. That might be the hardest part. Nobody wants to be in sales, you know, but um, it came natural, you know, to me, just like, you know, the operations and, and building the business people came natural to, you know, or operations, finance, all those things came natural to you. But the one thing that we had that was the same was, uh, you know, our heart for the business and heart for serving other people. And we've let that guide us really through the whole, this whole crazy journey uh, in our business. But what I wanted to be able to share with all listeners today that, you know, that anyone listening can take away is, you know, some tactics on 
a few different things. One on just her leadership tactics and how the things that she does, like when we sit in leadership meetings with the team, what are things that she challenges them to do to make them better? Uh, what are things that she challenges them to do to make the business itself better, you know, processes, whatever, um, you know, and, and just talk through some like the things that we do internally, because I sit in so many meetings and just watch her. And I'm like, God, she is so damn good. And I wish that, you know, I wish I was that good at, at building people. And, um, I say this internally all the time and, and uh, producer Ryan that's sitting in here knows like, I'm not a great manager. It's not because I don't care about people. It's just that I ha- I can't focus on all these things and give it the attention that it, that it needs, especially if you have many people, you know, and, and Anna is exceptional at those things. So, um, but I also want her because she's worked with some of the largest players, you know, like, um, for, for Rhino and, and is, it really understands like tactical things for, and, and just in marketing in general for our customers. And I want to be able to share some of those things. So we're going to hit first on some of your uh, leadership and management stuff, you know, for those listening that they might be able to hear it and implement some of these things in their businesses. And I guarantee you, if you're listening, there's something that she says that you're not doing that you could implement. And then again, from the marketing perspective on just like what you're seeing and like your vibe. So everybody hears my, my vibe. Um, or my thoughts. I want to hear yours. So the one thing I want to jump into right away is on uh, leadership tactics. But let me start with this question. Let me just open it up with this one. You care um, a lot about the employees. We know that. And you care a lot about the customers. You love serving both of them. For sure. Do you treat both our customers and our employees as equals? Or how do you view that? Like, which one is more important, our employees at Rhino or our customers? So if I'm a contractor, you know, I'm thinking, okay, well, what is more important? Is it you know, my technicians, my sales team, or is it my staff, or is it the clients that we're serving? I love asking this question because it can create some great conversation. But what's your take on that? What is more important to you, our employees or customers? So from where we sit today, I can say that they are equally as important to the business. But that's not always where it where it is, and it depends on where you're at in your business to determine what has to be more important. You know, when you're starting and you're growing and you're, every customer is absolutely critical to the revenue. And, you know, sometimes you've got to eat crow, even though, you know, it might not be your fault, it might not be your employee's fault, it might not be, um, you know, something that you could have done differently, but you have to take it that way because the customer has to be right and the customer has to be first um, because you really, really need that revenue. And we were blessed to grow to a point that I could start to pivot and say, hey, it's really important that you're growing an organization that employees feel like they're just as important to the business as customers are. And and that makes them um, both critical pieces to our success. If your employees are happy and they're growing and they're satisfied and they feel good about the work they're doing and they care about the clients you serve, your clients naturally win. Um, so it's it's easier to see success and easier for clients to win when everybody is happy internally. So there are times that you know if, if you've got a client or a customer that's treating your employees poorly, um, you got to part ways. You've got to respect your your team enough and show them that you care about them enough that you won't tolerate that kind of behavior. And um, when you get to a spot as a business that you can do that, your employees really, really appreciate and feel valued. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk plenty about um, the right customer, you know, having the right person who fits like RMO, like who, it, who 
likes to be aggressive, like holds themselves accountable too. Um, just like we're holding our teams accountable, but I know, I know one of our core values at Rhino being education is we always try to make our, our employees as best as they possibly can be, um, by giving them, uh, you know, yeah, education budgets, you know, I'm um, doing ongoing training, doing, um, our Rhino use to make everyone smarter to be better for not only just themselves as human beings, but for our customers. Right. So in that sense, it's kind of like, well, do, do we put more into our employees to make them as best as we possibly can so that they can help our contractors be as best as they possibly can? And it's like this cool little cycle of like, you know, it reduces, it show, lets, the empl- lets the customers know, hey, we're excelling at a high rate or we're doing a great job for you or we're so confident to share the exact number of new customers we're bringing in and all like all the little details that we've done forever because we're confident in what we pump into our staff and our education to be best, to be the best in class. So you still think today that it's 50, 50, because that to me sounds like, you know, like the safe answer. No, it's 50, 50. <laughs> I, I think you this know, is a safe space. Nobody's yeah. listening. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I think it really like it varies on the situation. And I, I do think it's a challenge to, to say like one is a priority over the other, you know, like I, I hold clients dear and I hold employees dear. Like the employees are so special to me and so important to me and um, their growth as people, um, professionally and personally is really important to me personally, not even professionally. So seeing them learn and grow, it's kind of like watching your kids learn and grow and that you're proud of them and you're excited for them. So seeing them develop and learn new skills and get really, really sharp and do really cool things for our customers is exciting for me. So from a leadership capacity, I get to pour into them um, which ultimately pours into customers. So maybe it is that that I I do spend probably the majority of my time focused on employee development, leadership development, and employee satisfaction because I know that the rollover effect is going to impact our clients. Um, so it's an indirect way of supporting clients through the the employees. Perfect. Okay. So so I want to get into some of your actual tactics. Okay. Because you know I've sat in on plenty of leadership meetings with you, whether a leadership team or ex- or executive meetings. Um, and you do uh, one thing that's important to you is, um, and I, I can't remember if, one of, if I was just, who I was just having this conversation with, um, but we were talking about oh it was Peterman, and it was uh, he puts out like a Monday a Monday morning email he sends out to his, his entire team. All I don't know how many seven eight hundred of his, his employees around him being bummed the last like two three days. You're going to see him, you know, today and you know later on today in Cabo. You have to ask him about this. It was really really good. You'll be impressed. But he was so focused. I mean, this is a hundred plus million dollar HVAC plumbing company, and he had a few days that where they weren't hitting the mark on his expectations. They're still growing, but weren't hitting the mark. And he's like bummed and like pouting and dragging his, you know, feet and his, you know, and, and then, um, but a commitment they had made for 2024 was for all the teams to share the things that have done right, that, that, that has been going good in their teams. And so he came in after like three days of moping and there's a folder on his desk and he was able to go through all the different departments and all the successes that they have, which then lifted him back up. So he was reminded, you know, he's got to get in the habit too yeah. of catching people doing things 
right, you know, and having success. I know that's important to you. That's important to you too, is catching, uh, catching people doing things right. Not so much focusing on the things that they do wrong. Not that you don't need to, you know, to, to focus and put some attention to those things, but catching them doing right. Explain yourself, explain (laughs) yourself by catching them doing it right. Um, well, I mean, it's important, right? Like people, people all want to feel good and people all want to feel good about the work that they're doing. And, um, and so I do think it's important when you see somebody's doing something right, they're excelling, they're developing, they're growing, um, you know, they handled a call really well. They, you know, uncovered something that, that they were, you know, really working on and, and, you're struggling to figure out and they got there. I think it's important to give them those pats on the back. And we do that a lot of different ways. You know, we've got a fist bump channel that all day employees are fist bumping each other to allow them to catch each other. But I think as leaders, it's super important that you're um, watching and mindful of catching, not just to the challenges or the opportunities to improve, but also um, finding the even the smallest things to say, hey, like you knocked that out of the park. Great job. Like you did a really good job on that. Yeah, you and we give also we're rhinos and things like that, but you don't have to give like awards to people to show those things. There's also other little things too, like, um, you know, not being afraid to push back on them and challenge them to, to think about things differently from a different lens. Um, and then something else that's important to you, and you and I have these conversations, even in like our relationship, um, but it's it's how you say something, right? Anna's very passionate when she wants to get her point across and I need to hear it differently, right? Because all I hear is her coming at me like hard. And I'm like, hey, it's in the tone. Like what you're saying isn't isn't off, but the way that you say it to me is really not going to work. And, and it's is just- Is this a Valentine's Day special? Hey, listen, I'm sharing, I'm pushing back on you. I'm giving you some feedback. Um, but but you know, where the point I was getting at is how you deliver it. Like they may have, you know, they may have said the right thing, but how you deliver it matters, right? How you say something matters. Um, you could say the exact same thing a couple of different ways and it could feel two different ways, right? Sure. So maybe talk about like how, like in our meetings or you, cause you might not call it out in the moment, but then you'll go back and pull them and say, Hey, this, and then turn it into a win, but you'd maybe you're doing it privately. So you're not calling them out. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I really try to be careful around if somebody's giving wrong information or they, you know, maybe delivered something incorrectly to not say, Hey, let me correct that, you know, or, you know, so I, I really try to have clever ways of spinning it into, Hey, let me elaborate more on that. And then I'll land the plane differently or land it in the way that I had planned on it going instead of the way that it went. Um, but I consistently say to our leadership team, it's not the message that you deliver. It's how you deliver the message. They've heard me say it a million times. Um, you can tell somebody to eat shit eloquently <laughs> and, and, you know, and not, not employees and not clients. Excuse but- <laughs> me, uh, if you could uh, eat shit. <laughs> so, um, so you can, and it, and it really is just figuring out how to choose the right words and how to use your right tone so that you are positioning it in a way that it doesn't feel like you're saying that. Um, so I'm always giving the, the team um, advice on practice it, practice it out loud. We so often practice things in our head and we, we're going to say this and we're going to do that and I'm going to do this, but we never actually practice it out loud. And the first time you get the words out of your mouth is the hardest. So if you've said it out loud once or twice and it feels stupid in the mirror, it really does allow you to get the words right and figure out what what feels good and what feels authentic and what doesn't. Because if you're coming at it with 
frustration or anger or, you know, any, any real emotion, it can, it can jack up your message. So you've got to be really careful in the delivery because you can, you can easily make something that's a really difficult message to understand good news, like an opportunity for them. They're growing from it. So it is how you spin that message. Um, I'm also a really big fan of question-based leadership. So if I think that somebody doesn't necessarily get something, I will ask them a sequence of questions until I back them right into the spot of where they landed on the answer that I needed to land on, but it was theirs and they got there. So I'll just keep pivoting and keep asking new questions until they're finally out of the spot of an aha moment of like, oh shoot, yeah, like that's the answer. And and it gets them there on their own instead of me giving them the answer. Yeah, you do that to me. I know. Yeah, it's a, it is a, <laughs> it's a tactic. I think uh, as long as the intention behind it is the right intention for sure it's okay like you don't don't you want it's not like you're trying to be like manipulative you're just asking the questions to help them understand but you're making them work themselves through the process Yeah, you, you need especially when you're working with your leaders they need to be able to think through and process the information in a way that resonates and digests and that they can buy in and if i'm just giving them answers all the time and giving them direction and you know dumping my thoughts on them they never really get a chance to to process it and own it themselves. So if you ask them questions and they get there without me telling them the answer, then I've, I'm at a good spot. Like it's a good spot of understanding and learning. It's not manipulation. It's it's getting them there without me giving all the answers. Right, and not everybody learns the same way. No, so like, no. so I mean, and sometimes you have to tell me things you know, multiple times. Maybe the first time I didn't hear you, or actually I heard you but I didn't listen to you. Um, Keith Curry would tell me I need to be a better listener and he's made me a better listener. Uh, shout out to Keith. Um, but I think another thing that you do really well is, you know, when you have, you're leading, you're leading any meeting, any group of people and you have to share any particular news, you know, whether it be like if it's performance related, if it's whatever, as a team talking, you know, collectively, um, you probably have an idea of who might be the one or the one or two folks in that room that could like suck the life out of it because they're not going to take it well, you know, because again, not, not even necessarily because it's something negative. It's just the way they're going to receive it is going to be perceived as negative. For sure. So explain, you know, to the listeners what you do in that situation when you know you're going to have that negative Nancy that's in the room because they're not going to really understand what you're saying. So what do you do? So, Change is hard for everybody, right? Like, like change is one of those things that we want change and then it happens and it's a to-do. So like example would be, oh, like I just bought this new house and it's so great. And then we all bitch and moan about moving. And then we bitch and moan about like we had to buy new furniture and our stuff didn't match. And this wonderful thing turns into something wrong or, you know, you get a new job and it's great and you're so excited, but you now have to drive further or you find some way I'm learning and I'm, you know, I'm learning all the time and I'm exhausted and I don't really know what I'm doing. So as people, we just tend to be, even though change is good for us, we're reluctant and some people are really reluctant to receive it. So I have a really good pulse on this team of, of who my reluctant receivers of change are. And I just make sure that I grab them ahead of time right? I don't want them in a meeting, especially if it's a mass delivery of something that, you know, could go one way or could go back, uh, could go another. Um, 
I don't want that person to swing the room the opposite direction. So I'll bring them in and I'll share the news with them privately. Like, it's kind of like, Hey, let me tell you about something I'm thinking, you know, let me, let me share with you, um, you know, an idea that I have and where, where I want to go. I want to kind of get you to poke some holes in it so that I feel like I've got it right. And that I'm making the right move. And then I'll deliver it to them. I get their reaction. If they're going to poke holes or it's not the, the right reaction, we get aligned so that when I do deliver the message, they, I already got buy-in from the person in the room yeah, who might suck wind it. out of yeah. it. Yeah. So you, you get your champions, um, so that, that they don't spin a room. Um, I also try, like if I'm, if I'm delivering messages like this, um, like at the top of the year, I, I had to do kind of the, like, here's some things we're changing this year. And I will, Give my meeting deliverables color codes, and I will say they're red, yellows, and greens. And my reds are things like, eh, the team might not love this. It's not like awesome news to deliver, but like not all businesses are always delivering awesome news. Sometimes there are changes that people don't love. My yellows are like things you need to know, but they might be flat. You know, some people might care. Some people might not care. And my greens are things that are, um, these are going to be good things. And these are things that people are going to be super happy about or exciting changes and then I map my delivery on each of those things in an order that makes sense so that I, you know, I'm kind of sandwiching maybe my things they're not going to love. I'm starting with a, a green and then I might roll into a yellow and then I might hit two reds and go back into a yellow and then end on all my greens. So there's some strategy around how you're delivering messages, the words that you're using and getting people that you think might be a challenge aligned ahead of time so that they're there to be your champion and your cheerleader instead of to suck the wind out of it. Love it. So um, that's a great, that's a great tactic. Um, I'm glad you don't pull me in beforehand. So that way <laughs> I know where I fall like in that, you know, in your, in your color code. I'm, I want to pivot just for a second before I, I move on to anything marketing related. And, um, you know, one thing that I got a few things that you had shared on stage at home service freedom that got a lot of, uh, people reaching out to you and stopping you afterwards was around, um, one, your, um, our, the rhino right, wrong, missing, confusing tactic. Yep. Um, which I'm excited to use uh, this, uh, this weekend. It's the first time I've used it into a presentation. Um, and then the other one was around the like a boss, the like a boss mentorship, because you're actively mentoring people right now who do not work for this company. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and, and I think one's a customer yeah. of ours. <laughs> um, but maybe just explain real quick what, um, what are some of the key things that you're focusing on or maybe the things that you're getting asked from the contractors that are asking you for a mentorship? Um, but maybe what are some of the key things that I'm not, I'm not asking you to share things publicly, you know, like, I don't know how all that stuff works, but I'm just saying like, there's probably some similarities that you're seeing in, in, um, or, or at least the things that you focus on in your like a boss mentorship. So when I talk about Anna being an amazing manager of people and builder of people, this is what I'm talking about. It's like people can go into this because they're wanting to learn from you because you've proven over and over and over and over. You know how to build, you know how to build great managers and great leaders. So what are some of the things in the like, in the like a boss mentorship that you're doing or, or what are you hearing from those that you are mentoring? Well, so I'll, I'll kind of, I'll hit tackle those two differently because right, wrong, missing, confusing is a little different. Oh yeah. Mentoring. I'm starting with this and then we're going to finish on right, okay. wrong, missing, confusing. So, um, so on mentoring and, and training, you know, you, you really need to customize that to the people that you're working with. 
Um, even the leaders that report to me here at Rhino, I lead each of them differently. And the, the way that they need to be led, um, some need to be led by really direct and, and kind of, um, you know, challenging type of conversations to get them to think differently. Some are very like, you know, loving, you know, relationships. So, so it just, it's different on how you lead each person. So you have to be able to tailor your leadership style to the individual person that you're working with and what resonates with them. Uh, when you are mentoring, like like a boss was a, a fun theme that we had last year, and it is that you need people to think larger than what their line of vision is within the organization. And I was recently just explaining this to um, we had a, a team member that promoted higher up within the organization. And you know, when if you think of your organization as a mountain. Um, this is kind of the, the visual that I'll paint is if you think of your organization as a mountain, you've got most of your entry level people at the base of the mountain and they are an important part of the foundation of the mountain and they're the largest part of the mountain, but their visibility from where they stand on the mountain is very restricted to how far they can see because they're so low on the mountain. Um, as you go up a level in your middle managers, they are a, a smaller, smaller part of the mountain. There's less of them. Um, and their visibility is higher, but it's not as broad as, um, as you know, if you were at the top. And it's also larger or greater than if you were at the bottom. And as you go up in the organization, you have to think larger because when you do stand at the top, you've got full 360 visibility of everything, right? You can see it's very, it's lonely at the top. You know, that that saying is true and it is lonely at the top, but um, you've got full 360 visibility of everything that's going on and the ability to look, um, look out further and see broader. And so when you're training leaders, you've got to try to figure out a way for them to see higher than they can see at the level that they're at by challenging them to think harder, think bigger, um, being involved in different types of, of projects. I'm doing a lot of training around difficult conversations. That's probably the the number one topic oh, that, hard, that yeah. people want to, to discuss is. And that's, a, and that's a skill. It is. It is because you know, nobody wants to have difficult conversations. No one's dying to have conflict or to have a fight. Some right. people are. I am a, a resolver of things. I'm naturally a fixer. So for me, if there's conflict or something that needs to be resolved, I'm a, how do we jump in and fix it right away so that it's squashed and we're on the same page? And so difficult conversations is probably the most common topic. Um, how to communicate as you grow up in the organization, not getting so in the weeds and being worried about the small day-to-day -day and how do you think bigger with your time and do things that are more impactful. Um, there's a million times during the day that I'm doing something and I'm like, why am I doing this? Like there's 17 other people in this organization that can do this. And there's one project sitting here that no one else can do. So how do I delegate, you know, the project that's sucking up some time right now to those 17 and move on to the one task only I'm capable of completing. Right. And so I want to go back to your like mountain thing. Cause I, I, there's a part in there that, um, you and I talked about similar to this. Um, and it's around those that can make it up the mountain with you. So you want to run with it? <laughs> yeah. So, um, and, and it's basically just the, and this is an analogy I listened to into a different podcast and it just resonated with me so well within the company and it applies to employees and friendships as you get successful. And it was in essence, this theory of as you're climbing this mountain of success, 
can you bring everybody with you? And the reality is, is that when you're starting, you know, when you're starting at the base of the mountain, everybody's pumped and everybody's excited and they're all ready to get there and you start going. And sometimes, you know, like people are starting to lose motivation or they're getting tired. And, you know, as the, as the wind gets, you know, or as the air gets thinner, they're starting to have a hard time breathing or they didn't, they didn't eat enough food and they're not, they don't have enough nutrition to keep going and you keep going and you feel good. And then you have to make some decisions of, am I pulling this person with me? Or am I leaving them behind? And and that is a, a tricky one because sometimes we drag people along with us that just can't make the climb. They're not capable. And sometimes you've got to leave them at a certain spot on the mountain and that's where they just need to be until they're ready or have figured out a way to make that climb on their own. Because if you drag everyone on your back that wasn't prepared to make it, um, you're going to be really tired and your ability to get where you need to get when you need to get there is it's going to be impossible. That's a really great, that's a, it makes for a great visual, I think. Yeah. So when we were having that, that discussion, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so good. And I think part of what is hard when you are the owner of a business is that you're so focused on so many things and climbing is the option. There is no other option. Um, and you, I think, naturally wants to bring people with you. Like you want to bring everybody with you. For sure. But you have to start to understand who who might not want to come with you because of not not because of they don't believe in whatever you're doing, but just because of they're tapped out. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard to build these businesses. It isn't for everybody and and you do outgrow people, right? Like change happens and especially people that have been with you, the amount of businesses I see that people are like, Oh, they've been with me forever, they've been with me forever, like, you know. Sometimes somebody who's been with you forever isn't the right answer for your business and you've outgrown them, but then out of obligation, you keep them even though you've outgrown them and it's hard. And we've had people over the years that have been like, oh, I got all these great ideas and you're doing this wrong and you're doing this wrong and you're doing this wrong. And we outgrew them because they couldn't see why we had to do certain things the way that we did. And sometimes those people start new businesses, right? The amount of people who come back to me afterwards and are like, holy shit, it's hard. It's hard. You got to spin a lot of plates and you're wearing a lot of hats because when you start a business, you no longer have a team of 150 people walking around doing different things. Your sales, marketing, bookkeeper, <laughs> legal, <laughs> customer service, executor, marketer, you're all yeah. the things. And so, um, yeah, like you, you outgrow people and, and some people really are excited about the growth and the opportunity and they get second wind and they climb with you. And some people you just have to, to leave at the spot on the mountain where it makes sense for them, for them to figure out if they're going to keep climbing up on their own or if, if they're on a trip down. SmartAC.com, SmartAC.com. If you haven't heard of it, you better find out. If you haven't implemented it, you better check it out. You have to get started doing something. 2024 is going to be an absolute battlefield. What are you doing differently than your competitors? You need to make sure that your memberships are sticky. SmartAC.com does that. Lifetime warranty, insurance savings, filter discounts, 24-7 monitoring that lets you know about problems before the homeowner might even know about the problem. Live tech chat, service providers, all of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now. Yeah, that's really good. Actually, the the for guys like me who need that visual, like, and it, it, when you when I know what resonates with me is when I can picture it and you can keep me engaged in the conversation. And when you wanted me to like when we we were going to talk about that, uh, or when we start talking about that, 
I was legit interested because I'm like trying to envision it from all those different levels on the mountain and the different people who've come along on that mountain and who's still, we have, we have multiple employees over 10 years with us still. Yeah. I mean, so, and, uh, you think about those who have, you know, come and went or those who've, you know, left and started their own businesses and reach out to me and be like, holy shit, like this man, it sounds so good. And sales, that's why I'm saying sales is the easy part when you get started because it's the part where it's like, that is the, okay, cool. And then you got to actually do the work and all the execution. And, um, you know, and then when you add people, you have to worry about human beings, other human, you know, human beings that now you're responsible for and their families and things like that. Um, and you listen, if you're you're listening right now to, and you've started your own business, you, you, this all resonates with you. Um, and, and what I think is interesting is us going from just Anna and I up to, you know, however many, you know, 150, 60, 80, or 80 rhinos, including all of our color scene reporting team, who, however that number, how many, where are we at? Somewhere in that number. I know we're sub 200. Uh, yeah. We're just so, under 200 but that's everybody. a lot point being is there's a lot of bodies, you know, that make this thing function as well as it does. Um, and it's been 16 years. So we've seen some, like a lot great uh, come in and a lot leave. And like, we have good relationships with so many people that are here and that aren't here anymore still. It's like, it's been an interesting journey, but it gives me some like perspective on just, you know, do I notice it's the same type of person that's fought, that's come along, you know, that's come this whole way with us. Is there like a, a common denominator between the employee that makes it and doesn't make it? Man, um, I don't know if there's a common denominator. I think like, connection and trust is is really really important and i think some of the people that or the people who have been here for a really long haul they were kind of part of the original like ground floor and they worked day to day shoulder to shoulder in the trenches with us and so that does get harder as the organization grows because they're team members that you know i only get to see them once a week in a staff meeting and there's all these faces on and there's not even a direct relationship. So I think that when you're smaller, it does give you the ability to work shoulder to shoulder with everybody and um, and build relationships where they know that they can trust you. Like my senior leaders here, they believe in me and they trust me. And even when I'm making a decision that they're like, oh, shoot, that one's scary. They're like us having an acquisition happen was scary, but they believed in me and they believed in my decision making and that I wouldn't make a decision for them that wasn't the right decision. And I think as long as you are true to your word and that you have high integrity, like you'll get really good people who just want to stay for the ride and they'll figure out, they'll like, you know, have extra oxygen masks and extra food in their bags. And they're going to like do all the things to make sure that they can be part of it with you. Got it. Okay. I'm going to move on from it. Um, but thank you for that. So, cause I also think it's important cause you mentioned, you know, how we have our, we have our all team meetings on Mondays. Um, you know, quick meeting, work through a few like things that impact the majority of the teams. Um, but you don't, because we have so many remote employees as well, you don't get to create those connections with them unless they are at a team builder. You know, if they're coming in for our quarterly team builders, um, or the, the Christmas party or the kickoff, right? We just had our kickoff, you know, a few weeks back. Um, and that's something you and I were talking about on the way into the office today was the importance of getting your team together you know, and kind of, and going over what did we do this past year? You know, like what were the wins, what were the losses and then where are we headed this year? But doing that collectively as a team, you know, because you, you know, uh, um, 
we did a podcast with Chris Hoffman a, a few weeks back too, where he's talking about how he builds his budget is from the bottom up where he's basically working down to the technicians and what are you committed to? So they're creating their goals. He's got a goal in mind, yeah. but then he goes clear back to the bottom and they, and they build it together. So that way there's accountability together. So that way they've made their own commitments to their department together. So, um, we were talking though about bringing your whole team together and the importance of doing that. And, and it, just because we have a large team, I'm not, don't hear me say only do this. If you have a lot of employees, you know, you can, you can do it if you have a small group of people. We did it. We did it when we had 25 employees. Right. So, but talk about just the importance of, you know, having an all team, like meeting where you're talking about wins, losses, and then where you're headed. Yeah. So, so at Rhino, we do a, a kickoff event. We do a, a kickoff at the top of the year in January, and then we do a mid-year kickoff in June. So our January kickoff is really the start of the year. And it is, what is our thematic goal for this year? What's our like rally cry of what are we working on and what are we all focused on? And so we go into that meeting. I think that you when you spend that time together face to face and especially all of your leaders get a chance to to speak and and share what's going on and what were the wins and what were the losses um it allows everybody to to understand what they're doing here every day so you know for rhino you know we spend and I'll I'll talk a little bit about right wrong missing confusing but when we do kickoff the entire first half of the day is talking about what did we say we were going to do last year in this meeting and what did we do or what did we not do and why? And so I do think it's important if you are going to set a goal and tell your team you're going to do something and you don't achieve that or do that, that you're responsible for discussing the why behind it. Don't ignore it. And yeah, you, you don't you don't ignore it. And and that doesn't mean, right, businesses need to pivot and they need to change. And there's times when I have to stand up there and say, we didn't hit this because the business changed and 14 other priorities had to popped up that that I knew were more important and I, I prioritized those. But sometimes it is like, yeah, just missed the boat. Like d- didn't plan it well enough. I thought I was going to get it done and I didn't. Sometimes I'm over ambitious on the things I think I can get done in a year and I want to do all of the things and I just can't get them done. But so the first half of the day is really um, what did we say we were going to do and what happened? And then the back half. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Bring yeah. the back half of the day. Um, and one of the messages this this year in particular, we have more misses uh, we, that we had to that we had to be accountable for. Yeah, we have more misses than we've ever had. But but for you contractors, think about what your twenty twenty three was. Right? How how much change happened for you? Like how difficult was that market for you? Well, can you imagine doing you know having to deal with that across? hundreds of contractors. Well, that's what Rhino has to do. Like we had to pivot on some things too, to make sure that, Hey, maybe what we had planned, we don't know what the market's going to look like. We had an idea, but we have to pivot and make changes too, but you still got to own it because once you don't own it and you might think people forgot about it, I promise you there's some that didn't. And then they want to talk about it. You can't sweep it under the rug. You just got to own your shit, you know? And, And then you, move on and people respect that. For sure. I, I think people will respect like we're humans. And and I always just try to say like, Hey guys, I'm doing the best I can. There's, there's not a day that I wake up and I'm like, man, can't wait to fuck shit up at the office today. Like <laughs> yeah, I'm going no. you know, to suck today. Yeah, I'm going to, I want to like ruin people's lives that work here. And I really want to make it difficult. No, every decision I make, I'm taking all the information I have and trying to figure out 
what do I think is the right move with the information that I have in this situation? And I make decisions. I'm not afraid to make decisions and I'm not afraid to fail. And I know very, very quickly when I made a decision, was it the wrong decision and how to pivot and be accountable for it? Or no, it was the right decision and move on because it was the right decision and I benefit from it. So um, so I, I do think that there's value in just making the decision and owning it. Totally agree. And and, and this right, wrong, missing, confusing, I'm going to take you into next, allows us to have these candid conversations and to build out these goals together as a team because everyone gets to participate in this. And what's, I don't want, I'll let you explain how we go about it. Maybe just share how we, like how we do it, them versus us, and then how it comes together um, to make up the things that we also cover in our kickoff, yeah. our annual kickoff meeting. Yep. So. so so the back half of the day at kickoff is what are our plans for this year? So laying out again, what, what are we doing? And so the way that we get to that is we do an exercise at the end of the prior year called Right, Wrong, Missing, Confusing. It's an anonymous survey that everybody in the company participates in. Um, and it's very, very simple. What are the things we're doing right? What are the things we're doing wrong? What is missing from our organization and what is confusing about our organization? And so they fill out this little survey, um, you know, on a, we get a scale of on a, a range from one to 10. How happy are you with your position here? So that when you're asking for three negative categories, it can be a little bit <laughs> defeating. And so it's nice at the end to see like, oh, we've got really high scores and people do just want to be helpful. And, and it's important as a business to, um, take the feedback that you get from your team and figure out where there's trends and where you should be making adjustments and being open to it. So we have all of that information collected from our admin. We don't look at any of it. So it all goes into a spreadsheet without us reviewing any of it. We go to an executive retreat and we do the exercise ourselves. So the executive team, um, I get a bunch of post-its out and we immediately start the data dump of right, wrong, missing, confusing from our perspective, because again, if I go back to my mountain analogy, we're at a different spot in the mountain as most of the people who have um, participated in the survey. So our line of vision is going to be different. And it's important that we get our thoughts and perspectives out uh, before it gets skewed by the rest of the teams. But the other reason that we do it first is that when we do look at the team, we're looking for alignment. How connected or disconnected are we from what the rest of the team is feeling as you know how the organization is running? So I will say almost every single year, our top three are totally aligned. It's almost always that the three things that we were like, when we're like hit wrong and we're like, oh, it's this or, oh, it's that. Like the, the things that we write first that we have a resounding agreement on are also the things that the team has a resounding agreement on. So it makes it really easy to start looking at, okay, we know for sure those are part of the things that we need to work on this year. We take all that information and then we start making buckets and we say, okay, what, what is an actual trend that we can look at this and say, there's a trend here and we got enough feedback that there's something that we need to do. And we'll start creating defining objectives. Those are going to be, we have four to six defining objectives for the year that those defining objectives help us to figure out, um, here's the overarching thing that we're trying to fix. Then we start working through what are the tactical deliverables that we're going to do to achieve that. So that's really the entire exercise and, and almost all of the marching orders for the following year are based on what did the team's feedback and what was our feedback and what do we need, need to do for everybody to feel be better about what we're doing in the following year. 
and we structure it and then we come back to kickoff and we talk about it. Yeah. We talk about what were the things you guys said and that you need and that you want and what are we going to do about it? We can't address everything, right? Like people complain about the coffee at our office and that we don't have <laughs> snacks and like I can't fix all the world's problems. But what I can do is I can find what are the big like heartbeats and trends that I can work on. And every year I, I do that and I try to find the most important ones for us to fix. Perfect. Yeah. And, and that allows everybody to be a part of the solution because we are Rhino Strategic Solutions. Um, is it weird if I, I've never asked my guests if I could have a drink of their water, but mine's gone. <laughs> can I drink your water, please? Yeah, that is weird. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm good. I just needed a drink of water. Um, I don't know if in your household you got little kids who are sick and running around with all kinds of different ailments, but my mouth is very, very dry. I want to pivot. Okay. So thanks for sharing that. I love that exercise. And, and it is funny sometimes to see some of the silly things that, that people put on there. Um, but there is a lot of great information and it allows you to tackle all of it as one. Well, and sometimes you find out things that you think are like common knowledge at your company and, and, and you're like, oh shoot, everybody's got that wrong. Then or, you just make an updated announcement to say, hey, it looks like there's a common thing and we already knew, like we already have this and maybe yeah. you just didn't know. We need a retirement plan. I'm like, oh man, we've had a retirement plan for a lot of years. So we might <laughs> need to just make an announcement. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to shift because we're like 45 minutes into this thing. Um, and I, cause I want to get a couple of the marketing questions out. And again, because, uh, you're so, you know, even though you're the COO, you still keep customers of ours so you can keep, so you can stay close to the process and you can stay close to the market and you can stay close to like all the things that our account management team is, <clears throat> is hearing and our sales team is hearing things like that. And I love that you still do that, even though you don't have to. <laughs> um, what well, every business coach would say, it's a terrible <clears throat> idea, but I you, do it. You do it. So you hear some of the similar things. And by the way, like I said, when I say she's worked with our largest customers, she's worked with our largest customers and like monsters, you know, and, um, but also doesn't, you know, she's has a customer you've worked with for like, in, for like, I don't know, seven, eight years, something like that. Yeah. And so it allows her to understand the processes. It's almost like undercover boss, except you're not undercover because everybody right. knows you're working the accounts, but it allows you to kind of see how all of our teams are performing, you know, and processes and things like that. But, but what I want, what I want you to share more, more is to, to our listeners is what you're seeing in the market on behalf of the contractors. And let me, t let me explain this. It's not getting cheaper to, no. <laughs> to do digital marketing, right? So there's this, there's a, an un, there needs to be an understanding of if you're listening right now, like, it's not getting cheaper for us either, right? So it's getting more expensive for us as well. Every time Google increases costs, it increases our costs or it increases the cost per lead. Uh, even Because if you're incredibly efficient and you run really, really good campaigns, even if you have the best of the best of the best in here and price goes up, there's no combating that. Cost goes up, but it's not just going up for you. It's going up for everybody, your competitors as well. It's just who has the better partner that can execute. But what are you hearing in there? So let's talk real quick just about the uh, cost per click and competition increasing, you know, and, and what you're hearing because of that. Yeah, so so I, I do like to keep customers because it does allow me to keep a pulse on things, and and it does allow me to stay in the industry and in the the practice instead of just above it. We're gonna have customer or customers listening right now. They're like, I want to get in on my change. Nope, I'm not taking on any more customers. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it is, it is interesting because the, the market does shift and, and 
you know, people assume that like, oh, I got I just get to spend the same amount each year or I want to grow, but I don't want to invest more to grow. And it is a challenge, I do think, from a marketing capacity because there is more competition. Almost every single market that I looked at for clients that I have um, that I've had active, when I look at last year in comparison to this year, the search volume for many of them is down between 30 and 50%. So a really, really great tool for those of you that have never used it is called Google Trends. And it is a tool that Google provides that you can plug in some keywords and you can put in years, you can put in your market, and it will show you exactly what search volume looks like for those keywords in your market. And um, you can see that that markets are down 30 to 50%. And then when you go over and you look at things like their Google, you know, their AdWords accounts, what happens anytime search volume is down, especially, um, you know, when people are like, oh, shoot, I got to stay busy, is the first thing they start doing is throttling their pay-per-click. It's like, hey, I'm going to spend more money on pay-per-click and I'm going to increase my bids and I'm going to increase um, what I'm willing to pay and increase my budgets because I want to get my piece and I need to stay busy. Well, what happens is it causes the average cost for everybody, the average cost per click to go up, The everything starts to increase and it makes it more expensive for everybody, right? Like it doesn't increase the amount of leads that are available. It makes Google the winner. That's the winner when you're spending more on pay-per-click. It's not your agency most of the time. And so the average cost per click goes up, search volumes down, and it inherently gets more expensive to try to grow and to try to be successful. And so that's probably one of the biggest challenges I see is people are like, I'm super excited about this year. I want to grow. Like I really want to, you know, I need to grow 20 or 30% and I want to add all these things. And then it's like, Hey, well, what are you going to do with your marketing budget? Like what is our responsibility in this? And it's like, Oh, we're going to spend the same thing. Oh, I wasn't planning on doing anything different. And you know, and it's like, Ooh, that's, that's hard. And, um, there is enough data out there at this point though. It's really easy to, to show people like the numbers and how it works and, you know, your agency, it doesn't matter if it's Rhino, I don't care who it is, like your agency can only do so much with the same amount of money. Yep. And you've got to, you've got to be willing to invest in your own business to, to grow it. If you're expecting somebody else to help you. Yeah. One key thing you said was leads available. She didn't say like, if you increase your budget, yeah, yes, you can increase lead volume, but costs increases. And what she was saying is there's only so many people searching no matter what, no matter how many, how much the your budget is. is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The pie is the pie and how much you pay for your slice and how big your slice is depends on what your budget is. So, but the, the size of the pie doesn't change. Right. And then the thing you want to be super focused on too, and this is something I've been on like the last you know, couple of months is, you know, we, we've always wanted the contractors. This is, and this is one thing that set us apart forever and sometimes bit us in the ass forever is that we report so far in depth of new net new customers. We want to know what did we spend? What's the cost per lead for a net new customer for a contractor? I don't think we've done a great job of, of being able to truly compare ourselves apples to apples to other agencies and how they get and how they deliver their reporting. Meaning we, because we're so hyper-focused on new business, if somebody calls, uh, one month and it's, a, I'll call you back. And we know how that goes when the customer says they're going to call them back. The homeowner says, I'll call you back. Sometimes they do. Most time they, they call somebody else and they and look at the business. But if they do, we need to figure out what did that, what did they sell? Like, did you, did you, the contractor end up selling something from that lead that we got two months ago for you? 
or a month ago for you? Or, hey, what have you not sold? Like all the lead volume that came in, if you have a, you know, a service hide and house call or whatever it is, you know, field management so- solution that you're using, what's your pending revenue from the leads that came in? I want to know what do you have that's still sitting out there that hasn't closed yet, which isn't on us or it isn't on your agency, it's on you. But you need to know this is exactly what I'm spending. This is exactly what my cost per lead is to get that lead. This is exactly what my cost per customer acquisition is. That's your own metric. You, the contractor's metric. Did you close it? Did you not close it? And then what's the revenue attached to it, right? So so that's something that, you know, you and I have been talking about on really chasing it down and making a really solid hire to bring in somebody to kind of lead that charge for us to say, we're just going to figure out how to do it for them. But you have to know all these metrics because then if, if you're, you know, Anna comes to you and says, hey, we need to, you know, if you want to grow 23%, we've got to increase your budget X, Y, Z. At least it's because we know the facts. We know the exact numbers. And so do you, the contractor, know the numbers. And that's how you want to manage things in here. So that way we can maintain the trust that you're talking about just that's so important with your own team. It's the same thing with you know, your customers. Once you lose the trust, it's really difficult to recover. So if you just use the facts then you can support everything that you say. And that's what we try to do. For sure. And and I think, um, you know, fixing broken processes within your organization is super important. Investing more money in marketing when you have broken processes isn't going to help you. Right. And the amount of times that we'll look in CRMs and be like, man, like that the ROI just wasn't there. What happened? And then we look at how many open contracts are there? And it's like, holy crap, there's $2 million in open contracts. Well, you know, then I can say, oh, well, we, we did our part. There's a broken process here. There's broken, something is broken in how you're delivering the message, how you're selling, how you're closing, how you're following up. Um, that's not your marketing company's responsibility. And, and usually there's broken process. Um, I see a lot of broken process around call handling, call training. I think if you're not doing some kind of performance pay for your CSRs that are taking your phone calls, it's a huge miss. Yep. Um, they are the controllers of, I think they're your first line controllers of the bottom line because you have no idea how much you're bleeding because Susie is not motivated to handle the call right and she doesn't. Or they do know and they still don't do anything right, about it. Right, and they it. don't do anything about it. So I think like that's kind of the first spot where I see a lot of process broken is poor call handling, not answering calls, um, you know, not following up on on opportunities. And then second spot I see a big gap is getting out there, getting quotes and and talking to somebody and it not getting across the line and not figuring out why, what happened, what is happening in our training process or in our sales process or our follow-up process that's causing us to not close the opportunities that were presented. Because at the end of the day, those are there's a lot of variables between when the lead comes and what the revenue looks like at the end. And then the last thing I want to close with, because we're getting so close to the end of this and you and I have a flight to catch. I want to talk about how, you know, if you're listening right now and you have a marketing manager, marketing coordinator in-house right now that's helping you, um, I think it's important for you to understand the motive, their motive, you know, their motivation to be helpful or to be protective or to be defensive. Um, and here's what I mean by that is it actually is very, very helpful for an agency to have a quarterback in-house at a contractor that is on the same team and run, you know, that it works really, really well together. What happens is you'll bring in a marketing person. You, you, if you're listening, you probably know you've maybe have been through a few and you don't know. So you hope that they know a um, marketing person comes in and, and they got to 
prove themselves, right? They might bring in a new uh, vendor who could be a friend or they have from another company or whatever, but they've got to prove themselves. So when you're an agency like ours and you um, start to work with the marketing coordinator or a marketing manager, the first thing you have to do is try and build a relationship and, and let them know I'm here to support you. I have all these things that we know from 16 years of doing marketing specifically for home services. And I want to give all those tools to you to be successful for the contractor. And I want to have that kind of relationship with you, Mr. or Mrs. Marketing Coordinator. So where I'm going with that is I want your perspective and I want you, our listeners to, to listen really close to this because I do believe having a marketing person in-house at the right size is incredibly important. So that way they don't need to be an expert in all things, but they need to manage the experts in all things and be able to know exactly like what is working, what's not working to give you the owner or the leader the right tools with facts to move the needle in the business. So this has been an ongoing battle, right? We talk about it for a long time, but, but to close this thing out, let our listeners know um, how they need to think about that marketing coordinator role or the marketing manager role and versus what the marketing manager says and what the agency says, because a lot of times you, the owner, will lean towards your marketing manager, they know more when the reality is it's just not true. Right. Um, and, and I would agree. I think it is good to have somebody within the confines of your walls that really understands and knows your business to be the quarterback of that. It is really hard though, to be an expert in all practices of marketing. And, and you know, that, that is a challenge. Like you can know conceptually about pay-per-click and about SEO and about brand and about, you know, how direct mail works and all of those things. But for you to really be an expert at all of them is incredibly difficult. Um, and yeah, it's true. Like most, most of the time somebody brings in a, a new marketing manager, there's been turnover in that position. They bring somebody in and that person is trying to prove their worth and prove their value by blowing up everything you've you've have in place and say, oh, well, here's, here's how I'm going to prove to you that I'm, I'm worth a lot. And I'm going to, you know, find all of the holes. And the reality is a professional marketer can always find holes in everything. I've never not looked at a campaign and not found a hole in every single one. Ours, other people's like I can, you can always find one because they're subjective and there's different strategies and the point of time that a campaign is at and what the direction you were given could all vary from what the person analyzing it is, is saying. So having a, a person in-house who can quarterback all of that and knows all of the things and manage the metrics and work with your experts is important. But I also think it's important to leave things to your experts and to have diversified marketing. And we talked a little bit about this, like Rhino only does digital marketing. I am not a brand expert, right? I, I know what our brand is and I know how having a great brand has impacted our business, but I am not a brand expert. There's great brand experts out there. You should have one. There is a, a space for all different types of marketing. Yeah. yeah, traditional marketing. There's a space for still having billboards and running TV ads and running radio spots and doing direct mail and 
there's a space for all of those things that build your brands differently. And having somebody within your walls that can try different things and test it and see what's working and what's not and how they interact with each other to build success and grow your brand is important. Yeah. And bringing it all, all of that in-house is such a risky move. It's, it would be, it's so expensive. I mean, like I know that, that people would say like, Oh, I, I can, I can do it all. I know SEO and I know pay-per-click and I, I can work on websites for you to really be good and do the volume of work that absolutely needs to be done consistently and manage other marketing things. It, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, it, it's really hard. You can save money doing it that way for sure. Because when you start looking at your marketing expense and the annual salary of that person, you can save money. But the volume of work that one person can contribute versus 150 is very different. Yeah. And I think it, you might save money on expenses, but you lose money on, on growth, on growth oh, and sure. sales. Yeah, for sure. So, and then the other the flip side of that would be not putting all your eggs in one basket with one company, right? right? Like there's some agencies out there and we've had the opportunity to, you know, to do an acquisition with a company that also did traditional and we decided to stay in our lane um, and just stay in the digital space. And, and could that happen down the road? I don't know. It depends. It depends on whatever service wants to do with it. But um, putting all of those eggs in one basket is a very risky move. Like to say, hey, I'm going to go with this one agency who does my digital, does my billboards, does my TV, does my radio. You better pray that that doesn't fail because you're all in on on one option there. I'm not saying digital. I'm talking like digital and traditional, some of those things. For sure. Yeah. I mean, when you when you tether yourself to one one person or, or to one agency, it restricts, um, you know, potentially what you could be doing. It restricts, um, you know, sometimes it can restrict you to that person. Some companies, you know, keep those things when you're done with them and you can't take them with you. You can't take the artwork. You can't take the content. You can't take the collateral. And so that can be a challenge as well. I just am a big fan of getting people who are experts in different things. I'll use, I'll use this story. I do not let the same person dye my hair that cuts my hair. Get out of here. <laughs> same. You, you cannot be an expert in dyeing and also an expert in cutting and especially in cutting curly hair. So I have two different experts that I go to for those things because it's so important to me. It's the same with marketing, right? Like, yeah, you could have an agency that has a couple of people, but like for them to really be experts, I think you find the right agency for each different independent practice. And it can be a lot to manage. And that's why you have a marketing coordinator to do it. It's the first time I've heard that analogy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Guys, you got that? By the way, I use the same person. So, well, you uh, don't dye your hair. I know I don't Steal dye my hair. Grays? I know I, I don't grab my, dye my hair. I'm all natural. Okay. Well, listen, um, this was a really great episode. Like this, I was into the answers. I was listening. I was paying attention to you. We're like over an hour into this thing. Um, you kept my you you kept my interest the entire time, and hopefully to the listeners too as well. There's you, you shared a lot of really great things in there too, and I could tell when you're on one because I gave Ryan the look and said, "Hey, make a note of that one." Um, but you share a lot of good stuff on your management style, the leadership, some of the tactics that you're using um, with different leaders on how to get them to the right answer or to their answer. Um, you talk about your color code that you use. We talked about how we do right, wrong, missing, confusing, you know, and how that brings everybody with it and do, going through that process. So if you implement that in your business, I promise you, you'll get better. It's not easy, but you'll get better. You might and, get your feelings hurt though. Just so you, just so you're prepared to get your feelings hurt a little bit when you do it the first yeah, time. Yeah, it, that it, it can, but listen, it's not always easy, right? You have to go through the hard stuff, you know, to, to get to the good stuff too. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, it's like what makes diamonds pressure makes diamonds mm -hmm. and 
certainly this puts pressure on you to make changes. And sometimes, you know, it's just funny. There's some funny things in there, but it makes it for a great business and allows you to let everybody come along with you and be a part of the solution. So um, appreciate you giving me your time and being on and letting us squeeze this in. Um, I know this isn't typically your thing. I hope it does become more of your thing. I bet you more of our listeners would like to, to hear from you. And we definitely got to get you on stage doing a keynote. I try to talk her into speaking at Rhino X. She won't do it. So maybe you will with me uh, tomorrow when I'm presenting down in Cabo. Maybe I can pull you in. Um, but the last thing I'll say is uh, to all the listeners, um, especially you fellows out there, it's almost Valentine's Day. So use this as a reminder to make sure you go get something for your, for your significant others. Same with you ladies. I don't want to like call anything out there, but I know how I am and uh, I need to take my own advice. <laughs> so, <laughs> but appreciate you coming on and giving us the time, Anna. Yes, thank you for having me. Super excited for 2024. Always cool to be able to do this stuff with my with my wife, my partner in this business too. And just to watch what we built together and to see, like be able to just see all the progress and to see what it looks like from the, from the top of the mountain. So she gave you lots of little tips and tricks that she uses. You don't got to do everything, but you got to do something. No zero days. Listeners, thank you so much again for listening to this podcast week after week. We are extremely grateful. Again, the whole purpose of this podcast is to give back to the home services industry that we love so much, whether you're a rhino or not. We really Really appreciate all the subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go in and subscribe and you'll get all the episodes sent to you automatically weekly. Also, we have really enjoyed your feedback. Uh, it's so meaningful for us when we get to read the nice comments that you guys put. So keep doing that. And if you don't know how to do it, here's what you got to do. You search for To The Point Home Services on Apple Podcasts. You click on our profile, scroll all the way down to the bottom and hit write a review. And be honest and share your story and how the podcast has impacted you and your business. Thanks again from the bottom of our hearts at To The Point Home Services Podcast. We appreciate you.